You may be seated this morning. Thanks for having me. Amy, you say that, but you should have seen me lose it last night when I got to my motel room and there were not the bowl of blue M&Ms that I asked for. I was disgusted. <laughs> um, it's funny that you say that, actually. Um, Darren and I absolutely love your senior pastors, Ben and Amy. And uh, as I was just there worshipping, um, I felt the Lord say, unique opportunity uh, for you guys, that you have in front of you a unique opportunity. And I was just pondering and thinking about what, God, what do you mean by that? And um, he really impressed on my heart for you guys just to be yourselves and whatever that looks like to be yourselves and not compare yourself with anyone that's been or to come or anyone around you, but just to be yourselves and to lead as yourselves and, uh, and that that is, I know the way you guys lead is with people in mind and, and as you do, that you've got a unique opportunity in front of you. So very grateful for what God's going to do. Um, well, I didn't, uh, my name's Bron, I'm from Tamworth and because m- not many people say I want to go to Tamworth one day, I, I decided I'd tell you a little bit about Tamworth and I th- I'd do it by way of contrast. Um, a little while ago I was speaking um, at Petersham AIG in the city and uh, Barry and Tracy Sarr took me out to dinner at the Dremoyne Sailing Club. And we were there. It's beautiful. And, uh, and, and, but it's a club. So you've, there's a meat tray raffle going on, right? And we're there at the Jamoyne Sailing Club overlooking the Sydney Harbour. And, uh, and there's a man on the microphone saying, 42, 42, 86, 97. If that's you, please come and collect your meat tray. You've won. Congratulations. And I, I thought, wow, that is so different to when... Jason Mendes came and preached in Tamworth and we took him to the long yard overlooking Maccas and there was a meat tray raffle going on. And it was like, 42, 86, 97, Damo, you lucky bludger, you won it again. Barbie at Damo's house, everybody. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. There's some differences between us. But I love Tamworth. I wouldn't trade living there for anything. Um, although when I do come to the Blue Mountains and go to the beach, I wonder why. But um, I love it. I think we've got a photo of my family to throw up on the screen. Uh, maybe if I did correct tech. Oh, yeah, here they are. So um, this is my Mother's Day shot. I've got three children. Isabella is in the middle. She's 15. Lockie is 13. And Kate is 11. I'm wearing heels on that day, so they're all ridiculously tall, uh, which I love. And that's my husband, Darren. They're all fantastic. Uh, My kids are the funniest in the world, um, which is excellent because I love to laugh. Uh, Someone asked me, um, did you take your kids to Dan Murphy's for Mother's Day? No, that's a, that's a restaurant and that's just the background. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, well, let's open our word and uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask today for a revelation of your church. Lord, not the building, not the service, but the gathering and the movement of people, Lord, that you have called together in this place at this time for a purpose, mighty God. Jesus, thank you that you love the church so much that you gave yourself for her. And Lord, I pray that we would capture something of your heart and your love for the church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Here we have um, a man called Luke writing the book of Acts and perhaps for an official because he starts his first volume of the book in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, most excellent Theophilus. And Luke's undertaking an investigative report for Theophilus and saying, this movement that we're seeing, I want to tell you about how it started and, and where it's headed. And so when he did this, he, he's interviewing eyewitnesses. He's talking to people that know Jesus and not know Jesus like we know Jesus, but know Jesus like lived with him, sat under his teaching, were right there when he spat in the eye on his hands and laid hands on someone. Sorry. <laughs> Usually, it's good that your front row's back a bit further. Usually, you guys cop it, so um, it's really good. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, so he's there, and they're the eyewitnesses that are there sitting under Jesus' teaching. So he, we don't know if Luke comes to faith in Jesus while he's doing his investigative report or if it's happened beforehand, but he's writing as, as, a, as a doctor, as someone who is learned and interviewing people and writing his summary in this passage. So when he talks about this new community... He's observing what's going on here. You see, what this is all very fresh after Jesus' death and resurrection. This is the start of this new community. Jesus has not long before died um, just after the Passover feast. Only a few days later, he's risen again, uh, the first fruits of all who will rise again. And, um, and then seven weeks later, the day of Pentecost has happened, the Feast of Pentecost. And while we just look at it in hindsight and go, oh, yeah, that's the sequence of events thousands of years before, God of Israel had instituted feasts whereby there would be a Passover, a few days later, a first fruits festival, and then seven weeks later, a day of Pentecost. So you can't make this stuff up. It's absolutely incredible. And there is uh, this new community. Jesus has risen from the dead. And he's gone up into the sky and, and the disciples are standing there just watching and going, what happens now? And two men dressed in white say, why are you staring at the sky? Don't just be passive staring at the sky. There's something to live out here. So we need you to go home and wait and God's going to do something amazing. So they continue to gather together. And then on the day of Pentecost, something amazing happens. There's a sound like a rushing wind, tongues of fire to descend on everyone's heads. And they begin to speak in other tongues and, and people around them are like, this is incredible. We're all understanding them in our own hometown language. Maybe they're drunk, which I find a strange conclusion because when have you ever been around someone who's drunk and you're like, wow, you can speak French now? What? Like, doesn't happen. And so, and, and they, they all of a sudden just got all these languages that, that they haven't learned, that have just been bestowed upon them. And this new community starts. Peter preaches the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And that day, 3,000 say, what do we need to do? He says, repent and be baptized. They all go down the river, get baptized. And that is the start of the new community. And here we have it. Here it starts. You know what? I wish I was there. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to get to heaven and talk to people like, what was that like? What was it like being part of the New Testament early church? And we have it written here. Don't you want to be part of it in the here and now? Don't you want to see days like this, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where people just are like, what do we need to do to be saved? And, and the Lord adds to our number daily. I want that for my church. I want that for your church. I want it for the church of Jesus Christ. But as I look at it, we kind of get this utopian picture of what's going on. And we think, okay, God, so we need miracles and wonders. We need everyone to be in awe. And, and, and how does this work? Craig Rochelle says an interesting thing. He talks about input goals and output goals. And he says this, and I think we're going to put it up on the screen because I get this quote so wrong, I take about five runs at it. So if it goes up on the screen, we'll avoid that. Yes, great. Okay. If you want what normal people have, 
do what normal people do. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. He backs this up when he talks about habits. You see, he talks about the fact that so many times we, we set for ourselves output goals. For instance, at January, we say, I want to lose 20 kilos this year. And then we get to December and we say, oh, good, only 25 to go. But actually, <laughs> what we should do, because we have no control over the output, we instead set input goals like, well, I'm going to quit sugar and I'll see what happens from that. I'm going to eat healthily and I'll see what takes place after that. And so we have um, input goals rather than output goals. I want us to look at this passage again in light of input, what we can do, and output, what only God can do. Because so often we look at this and say, we want what only God can do, but we're not actually doing what only we can do. So let's look at it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's input, right? Everyone was filled with awe. Who wants gatherings filled with awe? I do. You know what I just did? I just relegated filled with awe to an hour on Sunday. And this is everyone was filled with awe. It suggests that everyone looking on all through the week was filled with awe. It wasn't just the gatherings on a Sunday. That's an output right there. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. I want wonders and miraculous signs. I can't control it. That's an output. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, I would argue this is output as well. Because we would say, well, that's input. We need to do that. But actually, this was a work of the Holy Spirit. It's never happened again. It's happened in some environments and some communes, but never lasting. And in fact, it doesn't go beyond chapter 5 when a couple tried to do it in their own strength and had disastrous consequences called Ananias and Sapphira. So I would argue that that is an output goal. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. I would say that's input and output. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Input. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Input. Praising God. Input. Enjoying the favor of all the people. Output. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what only God can do. So as we set up what only we can do today, I want to give us two big massive pillars that enable us to walk through into everything that God would have for us. Two pillars, and then there, we'll see later that there's four other pillars, and we won't mention those so much this morning. I just want to talk about the two big pillars for us as the church to have as input, and they're two Greek words. Any experts in ancient Greek here today? Excellent. I'm going to pronounce these perfectly. Okay. These words are homothumidon and proskiterio. Okay, let's say them together. Homothumidon and proskiterio. Perfect, perfect, guys. You were amazing. Okay, we're going to go first with homothumidon. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 says this. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That joined together is homothumidon. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. That's homothumidon in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. All gathered together, that's homothumidon. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together, that's homothumidon, in the temple courts. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves. Nope, sorry, scrap that one. Okay, homothumidon. They joined together, they met together, they came together, they gathered together. 
That is homothumidin. But that English translation of coming together doesn't even go close to what it actually means. You see, homothumidin is a compound word that means to rush along in unison. So all going in the same direction with some kind of momentum that gets, gathers as it, as it continues. This gathering together where everyone's bringing it. You know, some um, scholars say it's orchestral in nature. That actually we all come together with our different tones, our different pitches, our melodies, our harmonies, our different instruments. Someone's got an oboe. I don't know what an oboe is, but maybe you hold it like that. I'm not sure. Um, and, And someone's got a flute and someone's carrying a grand piano, but we all come together and we all play together and we're, we're homothumidin. We're under one grand conductor creating a concerto that rises and falls at the same time. And though we're different and though we're individuals, we're one as we come together. You know, I think about this as the church and, and let me take an example from marriage. You know, when you see some married couples and they're just together, like they're always holding hands, like they're 87 and they're just walking down the street holding hands and you just go, oh, I love it. Just me. <laughs> but they're just, they're just, you know, it's like this battle of deference between them. They're like, oh, no, let me die to my dreams to make your dreams come true. Oh, no, let me die to my dreams to let your dreams come true. They're just constantly trying to build each other up and go together in unison in the one place. It's beautiful. And then, you know, even in my life and I, my husband and I love each other dearly, but sometimes there's a clashing of goals and sometimes through tiredness or emotions or whatever, and we're together because we're married and we live in the one house, but the togetherness is feeling a bit rocky. You know, even if, as you think about marriage and, and the thing that married couples do that is the closest that they can come together is, is like sometimes it's so together and, and other times it's not that together at all. And if that's awkward, just consider that once I preached this message in my own church, my children were there. <laughs> and when I said it, Jazz said he wanted to stand up and go, not Bron, not Bron. <laughs> um, but we're together or we're together. And the church is the same, you know. Have you glimpsed moments when you're one and you're rushing along in the same direction? And you're going together. And then you have other moments where you come together, but it it just doesn't feel like that togetherness. You know what? I guarantee that probably, (laughs) guarantee that probably, whatever. Um, I guarantee that when you come together and it feels that togetherness, it's when everyone's eyes are on Jesus. It's when everyone is going after Jesus together. That's when we truly come together. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? And you know, we're not going to agree on, on the lights or the smoke or the sound system that we're about to buy or, or the songs that we sing. But what we agree on is glorifying Jesus in spite of everything. And if we can get that, if we can do that, then, then we will actually come together in that homothumidon that is described here. And when I think about that, when I think about people from all backgrounds, all nations, all, all walks of life coming together and being one, I'm filled with a sense of awe. And I believe that those around us would be as well. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays for his disciples and he says, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. And how, how, how is the Godhead one? Because it's all going after a common goal. God is for God. God is for the glory of God and the good of people. And as we come together and we're for the glory of God and the good of people, then we become one even as he is one. Homothumidon, rushing together. That's one big pillar that's holding up the entranceway 
to everything we read about. Number two is proskaterio. Say it to the person next to you, proskaterio. Your challenge this week is to use it every day in your workplace. Find a context. <laughs> okay, Acts chapter 1 verse 14 again says, They all joined together constantly in prayer. Constantly is proskaterio. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted themselves, that's proskaterio. Acts chapter 2 verse 46 says, Every day they continued. That continued is proskaterio. In Romans 12, just to give you a, a bit of a different... Um, context to it or a different description. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That faithful in prayer again is proskaterio. And another place where it's used is Romans chapter 13, verse 6, where it says, this is also why you pay taxes for the authorities of God's servants who give their full time to governing. That concept of giving time to is that same word, proskaterio. Continuing in, proskaterio. Steadfast in, proskaterio. That is staying faithful, being committed, going after. And as we look at our culture, where do you see people being steadfast in, being faithful in, being totally committed to? Tell you where I see it. People are totally committed, some people, not me, to their abs. Like they, they will Instagram their abs at every opportunity. They will only eat six hours in 24 to ensure that the cell renewal is good for their abs. They, they will be devoted to their abs. Does anyone have a friend like that who's just totally devoted to their abs? All the millennials. Everyone else is like, what are you even talking about? We eat. We work. It's what we do. You know, other people are devoted to their booty. They go to booty camps for their booty. They eat so clean because they want to make sure that, 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 that they have the best chance of having a good booty. They, they, if they detect a granule of sugar in their whole grass, whole food, wheat, grass, organic smoothie, they will throw that thing away in disgust. How dare you give that to me? Devoted. People are devoted to their lawns, aren't they? They're really like, get the tape measure out and equidistant from the fence and the pavers. Yep, that's got a good curve right there. They will make sure that there is not a slight hint of a bindi or nut grass in there. Um, it's clearly, I'm not devoted to my lawns either. But, but they will be totally devoted to their lawns. And we see in our culture that people are totally devoted to things that are temporal and meaningless and that are burnt up like that. And yet, the things that really matter, we see in our culture, the devotion, the steadfastness, the faithfulness is just not there. When it comes to things like the sanctity of life, people are flaky about that. When it comes to things like, I've committed to this and I've said yes to this, people are flaky when it comes to their word. When it comes to integrity, they're flaky about it. These things that are actually eternal and matter on the large scale people are flaky about, but totally devoted to the meaningless and temporal. There's got to be some proskaterio. There's got to be a devotion to. There's got to be a, a, you know, things are tough right now, but I'm going to continue in the things that I know that God has called me to because that is what is important. Young people today, you guys, you know what? You have an opportunity before you 
to be those that are totally committed to their word. If you say you're going to be somewhere, that you're going to be there. That actually it's not about a better offer coming along, but it is, hey, I said I would do this and so I'm going to do it. You know, that is not common in our culture today. It said like five minutes before I got a better offer, so I'm going there instead. Let's ensure that we are those that have the input of proskiterio, that we are devoted to, that we are faithful to, that we are committed to. Yeah, Bonhoeffer says about marriage that love is not a good foundation for marriage. But he says marriage is a good foundation for love. Because if we have an environment where there is a commitment to, a faithfulness in, a steadfastness to, then true love can actually flow out of that. It's why so many arranged marriages last longer than those that are based on fleeting emotion. Because there's this commitment to... So what will we as a church, as the church of Jesus Christ, ensure that we're committed to? Because there's got to be homothumidin. There's got to be this desire um, that no matter what, I might feel a little bit out of place. I might not look like them, sound like them, be exactly like them. But, but I know that I'm needed in the body of Christ because I've got a unique part to play in it. That's homothumidin. And I'm coming and we're just going to go for the same goal. And then there's proscriterio where, where when the going gets tough and I get offended, I'm not just out. I'm continuing on and I'm going for it. That's the two pillars. And now as we enter the building, let's just look at this super quickly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Four inputs. We need all of us and we need to continue in. But then there's this devotion to this proscriterio to the apostles' teaching. You know, Paul says in Philippians, he says, I think it's in Philippians, whatever you have heard from me, or gleaned from me, or seen in me, that you should do. And, and that's a very rabbinical model of training people. It's not only that you just hear it, or that you, um, have, you, know, you, you catch it, but actually that you're around it and you see it in the person. Jesus had people walk with him in order to catch what was on his life. We have no... We, we have the greatest access to material than we've ever had. Podcasts, YouTube channels, or the works, we've got it all. And I love it all and I listen to it all. I listen to the things that I agree with that inspire me. I listen to the things that dis- I disagree with that, that, I, that challenge me. And we should absolutely listen to it all, but we should do it within the framework of having spiritual oversight. That's what this says here. You see, we might say, yes, heard from me. Well, yep, um, Stephen Furtick, he's a great preacher. I listen to him all the time. Uh, maybe, yes, like, um, what's, I wish I writ, wrote this down. Um, heard. Ah, <laughs> sorry. I'm going to find it. Heard in me. You know what, it's going to take me too long to find. So please just trust me. It's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> heard from me. Um, it's something like caught from me or, 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 and then seen in me. And so, so, yes, we might say that, yeah, 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 I listen to Stephen Furtick. Yeah, yeah, I listen to Bill Johnson. Yeah, I listen to Andy Stanley. And that's all great. But, but a YouTube channel or a podcast can't actually give you the spiritual oversight that you need, the devotion to the apostles' teaching. It should all be done within a framework of having some kind of spiritual oversight. And you know what, as Aussies... We don't love this. We're, we're like, we're convicts. We're rebellious, you know, like, don't tell me what to do. But, but actually the biblical model is to have someone that will challenge us, that will correct us, that will love us, that will exhort us, that will train us. And whether that is your senior pastors, 
that's great, but they can't pastor personally everybody or even most people. That would be crazy. So that's the importance of having a connect group, having a life group, having some kind of spiritual community where you're accountable for the way that you live your life and where you're willing to actually submit yourselves to the apostles' teaching. Like I said, I love podcasts. What I love even more than that is the Word of God. Like, you should see this Bible. It's, it's trashed. It's got, like, question marks all through it. It's underlined. It's written through. The bits that I didn't like, I just tore out. Um, <laughs> it's, like, it's the maps. I didn't like the maps, clearly. Um, but but it, I love this. Like, I can't go, you know, you might call me a bit soulish. I, I can't go a couple of days without reading this thing before I start to, my attitude starts to get a little bit out of whack. My, my heart starts to get a little bit sour. Like, that's how, how much I need the Word of God. I'm so grateful that I wasn't born in a time where it was written in a different language, chained to a pulpit, and me as an uneducated woman couldn't have access to it. I am so grateful for this. I love it. I love it all. But yet... This tells me that I still need to submit myself to the apostles' teaching, that I still need to sit under spiritual oversight, even though I'd be like, well, I get more from this than I ever get preached to. That would be an incredible, arrogant thing to say. Um, so, so yes, yes, we might have knowledge. Yes, we might have understanding. Yes, we might have studied. But this says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. This word is koinonia. Koinonia. Pretty sure I said that wrong. But regardless... This, 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 um, this concept, sorry, I preached three messages in two days. This concept is that they came together, it was later delineated out into communion and contribution. So two aspects that we have at church, which is the Lord's Supper and tithes and offerings. But they would come together for communion and contribution. This suggests that they weren't just coming together to feel good about themselves. I had some social time. Now I feel good. No, there was a purpose to coming together. It was for a mutual good again. They came together to contribute and to share in the Lord's Supper together. Then it says to the breaking of bread, and that is talking about um, hospitality and to prayer. There needs to be this continuing in. We live in an age where we're so busy. So we need to find ways that actually either fit in with our lifestyle or we need to sacrifice our lifestyle in order to proskiterio, to continue in what God has asked us to. That's a bit underrated sacrifice now. But anything that was good has only ever come through sacrifice. Devotion to prayer. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you find it hard to pray. I have to write my prayers down. Otherwise, I'm like, dear Jesus, I just thank you. Oh, butterfly. <laughs> I just, I need to write them down. And, uh, and, and I went away recently for 24 hours to pray. And um, I was so glad it was only 24 hours because <laughs> I was done in about one. <laughs> went for a walk. It was lovely. <laughs> but, it, you know, there's praying without ceasing. There's having constant fellowship with God. There's all that. But there's also contending in prayer. Actually, you know, in this passage, it's talking about the prayers uh, the prayers that they prayed as Jewish people, they came together and didn't forsake the prayers. So it, there's even value in set prayers that we pray, continuing in praying prayers of discipline, even when we don't feel it, to continue to pray, to pray for your spouse, to pray for your family. My husband prays every single day, God, teach me how I can set Bron up for a win. Teach me how I can set her free to do everything that you've called her to do. I, I wish I prayed that for him. Um, it's, it's on... It, it's a, it's a girl. And, 
I would love to. <laughs> no, I will at some point. Um, the prayers, we need to contend in prayer. I heard this week, I was saying to a friend, a Sri Lankan friend, I said, oh, praying, it's the thing that I find challenging. Like, give me a Bible, I'll read it forever. But praying, and she said, what you've got to do is you've got to pray until you hear from God. You've got to pray until he gives you a promise. And then when he gives you a promise, that's it. You're done praying. Walk up out of that place and you claim the promise from then on. Oh, that's a good challenge. That's a good challenge. I'm going to try that one. So devoted themselves. We've got our two main pillars, homothumidon and proskiterio. And then we're coming into the house and we've got our four pillars. We've got the apostles teaching and staying devoted to that. We've got fellowship. We've got koinonia coming together for contribution and communion because we've all got something to give. And then we've got um, the breaking of bread, hospitality and prayer, the prayers. You know what, church? If we can get a hold of this and say, you know what? I don't come to be a consumer I don't come to sit in church and say, feed me and become a big spiritual fatty and then go out of church and don't actually use anything I was taught. So then when I come back, I'm just getting it on top of what I've already got. And then, then I feel like I'm not getting fed because it can't. I've got nothing. I've not poured out to allow it to go in and, or that's not deep enough. And because it's just, I haven't poured it out through the week, then, then of course, we're not going to feel like we need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. But if we come in and go, I am the church. I am the church in my community. I am the church. I have a responsibility, a unique responsibility to be the church. And I go out and I am that in my workplace. I am that everywhere I go. Then we come back into this place and we're like, I need to praise you, God. I need to get filled up because I, I've poured out all week and now I need you. Sometimes I think that, that we get a bit reticent about coming to church because we haven't poured out through the week. And I know that's not everyone. I know that's not the case. I know so many of you do so much. But one thing I always hear, not this church, but at my church, people will say things like, oh, I didn't really get anything out of the message. And I'm like, I've been, I've been reading this thing all week. And I come to church and I got something out of that, like that person that preached. I love that. That was awesome. And so I wonder how we can be sitting in the same place and, and not get something out of it. Maybe that person is just way more smart than me. That's very possible. But I doubt it. <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> I'm just joking. There's something about just coming with a receptive heart, an expectant heart to say, look, I'm willing to receive because you know what I believe? It doesn't matter what I say. Doesn't matter what Ben says, doesn't matter what Amy says, the Holy Spirit's here. And he will say something to you. You know how I know this is true? Because people will come up to me after a message and say, I love it when you said XYZ. I'm like, me too. That was a revelation from God. I didn't say that. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit is able to tell you exactly what you need in this place as we put ourselves in an environment to learn from Him. Church, we have a unique opportunity. I know God gave me that word for them. It's not in my notes at all, but I'm stealing it from you guys for this message right now. We have a unique opportunity to be the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that there's a growing discontent with church as it is. And it's not because of Jesus. And it's not because of the people. It's because there's something more available to us. There's 
awe, there's wonders, there's miracles, there's the favour of all the people, there's, there's God adding to our number daily those who are being saved. And this is outside of a service. This is outside of an hour on Sunday. This is a life lived for Him. The discontent is because we relegate it all and think that it has to happen in the hour on Sunday. But our, it's like this. At home, there's this street light outside our house. It's directly outside our house. And, and somehow it's directly, if the blinds are open, to my pillow. And, um, and when we had evaporative cooling, which you are able is effective in uh, out west, um, we had evaporative cooling. And so you have to leave one of the windows open in the house, otherwise the pressure builds up too much. And so uh, because obviously we're security conscious, we don't leave a window open in the children's bedroom. We leave the window open in our bedroom. And more often than not, it was that window that the light shone in directly to my pillow. Fortunately, I burnt the house down. We got new air conditioning and it's reverse cycle now, so we're all good. (laughs) God is good. Um, (laughs) All the time. Um, And so so now we close the blind. But but that, that light, I know, is great and it's safe. It's, it's for security. It, it means that people are less likely to rob our house because the street light is right there. But, you know, I'm from a farm. I grew up on a farm. And, and we do a lot of travel uh, late at night because we try to get the very last seconds out of our holidays that we can before we generally get back for church on Sunday. Because we travel late at night on Saturday nights, we often have to stop in the middle of nowhere to go to the toilet because nothing's open. So recently we were coming back from Port Macquarie to Tamworth and we had to stop. It was about 11 o'clock at night at a pit toilet, which are perhaps the most horrendous things in all of the earth. And, um, but you know what? We stopped the car and we got out and my goodness, the sky was alive. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I forget that that's there because I'm used to living in town now where there's street lights. The street lights obscure the magnificent and... And I, I, I stop and every time I, like, literally, like, I'm like, oh, God, this is incredible. It's alive. And, 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 and so that happened at Port Macquarie. And, and I realized that that is always there. But because of my street light, which is safe and secure, I don't often see it. And I think sometimes church is a bit the same. We come to where it's safe and secure and we know exactly what's going to happen. And we like to know the people around us and, and we like to sit in our certain seat. But church, there's something much more magnificent available to us. There's an intention for the church that God had right from the start that was to be something that was such a witness to everybody around it that if we will just step outside our comfort zone and say, well, that's not really the way Australians do things, Bron. Well, I'm very busy, Bron. Well, well, you know what? I've got podcasts, Bron. No, no, no. There's a homothumidon because the church is missing something unless you're a part of it. The homothumidon needs your instrument to come and play the great concerto. It needs you. And the proscatario, you need proscatario. You need the steadfastness. There's something that comes in you when you are faithful in spite of everything going on around you. There's a medal that God puts in you that is not able to happen unless you will stay steadfast and stay faithful and committed. The church is meant to be glorious and we're meant to play a part in it. So today, church, let's come to our feet and let's commit ourselves to God. Let's commit City Church to God. Let's commit the Australian Church of Jesus Christ. And let's determine that there's so much more and that we were going to be a part of it. Before we do that, 
I want to give anyone who has not yet placed their faith in Jesus the opportunity to do so. To say, well, actually, I thought that I couldn't really be a part of it, but now hearing about that homothumidin, that actually I'm needed and it's necessary, that, that actually the church is missing something without me, that God has placed a perfect place in the church for me, regardless of how I feel or anything else. Ah, okay. Okay, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Not for the church's sake, but because He died for you, because He loves you, because He wants a relationship with you. So let's close our eyes just to give people privacy this morning. And I'm going to ask you, on the count of three, if that's you, you want to put your faith in Jesus this morning to raise your hand. Just long enough for me to see it. And that's not, you know, raising your hand doesn't make you a Christian. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. That raising your hand is just saying, yeah, that's me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and I'm confessing it. So if this morning you want to follow Jesus, you know, accept what he's done for you, then go ahead and raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you, raise your hand this morning. I want to trust in Jesus. I want to go his way and not mine. This morning, we're going to pray together as one. to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And if this morning this is something that you want to do, just pray it from the bottom of your heart. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. Thank you for making way for a relationship with you. I trust in you. I receive your peace. Thank you for the promise of eternity. Thank you for giving me power to live this life. Your way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to continue to pray for us as a church. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is your church. Look upon us this morning and know that our hearts are after you. Lord, that we want everything that you want for us as your church. Lord, we don't want to be a holy huddle that come on a Sunday and and then go out and live our own lives. Lord, we want to be the church of Jesus Christ that makes a difference. Lord, help us to bring all our uniqueness to the table and all of us to follow after you in one direction, to rush along in unison, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, let us be steadfast where everything around us would be flaky. We ask that we would be those that put a stake in the ground and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord God, we ask in Jesus' name that you will enable us and empower us to be the church of Jesus Christ now and every day until you return, Lord. Add to this people, Lord, daily those who are being saved. We pray. We believe for it. We believe for miraculous signs and wonders, Lord. We believe for awe. And Lord, we determine that we will do what you've instructed us to do so that you will do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And the church said...